This is the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Trevor Perkily Paul. Paul, Perkily, how are you doing today? I am getting perkier by the minute as I sip my coffee. So (laughs) bear with me and I'll be perkier. You know, perkier and perkier as the episode goes along. (laughs) Well, good. How are you doing? I I, I am feeling well. Um, This is a week after the daylight savings change of the clocks. And I feel like this just gets more and more brutal every year. I know. You know, I, I'm getting even more sleep because I'm more tired, and yet it's just making me more tired. <laughs> I know. It is. It's so confusing. And, and like you said, the older I get, the more I realize how little sense it makes, which I don't know if that <laughs> adds to kind of the irritation with it. But And then you have people in Arizona and Hawaii and certain places where they don't have it, and I don't know. It's yeah, They're all perky today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am glad that I no longer have um, young kids because I remember when this used to happen when they were babies. Oh, man. Or, and toddlers because they get into their routines and their schedules. Mm. And I remember it would take weeks sometimes to get everybody <laughs> back in sync. And then it changes again. I know. Exactly. <laughs> oh, but no, I'm doing really well. I'm excited for today's conversation. I am uh, too. We, just so people kind of understand what our on holiday is referring to not so much the holiday season, though that's maybe part of the reason this feels like a fun time to do this episode, but we're talking about going to bookish vacation spots, you know, or places that, uh, places that are literary and that have uh, a touristy kind of uh, opportunity at them, uh, potentially. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of excited about it, but I be guess fun. before we get there, what have you been reading, Paul? Yeah, I've been reading a couple of books that I think you'll be very familiar with. Um, so recently I started listening to Red Comet, The Stor- Short and Blazing Art of Sylvia Plath by Heather Clark. Based on your recommendations, I know that you've been making your way mm-hmm. through that one. And we talked about it in a recent episode, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, after our discussion a while back about Elizabeth Hardwick's essays about Plath and her collection, Seduction and Betrayal, I've been thinking a lot about Plath, um, and so I just decided, you know, why wait? Just dive in. Um, and so I really like the lens that Clark uses as she examines Plath. You know, we hear so much about Plath's mental health struggles and, of course, her suicide. And it's not that Clark doesn't touch on that, but instead she chooses to largely focus on her actual genius, you know, her work ethic, her dedication to her craft and you know, her reading and all these things that made her what she was, you know, it wasn't all just about, it's so easy to like, like we do with Kurt Cobain or somebody like that. It's so easy to focus on the end of their life or their struggles in that part of their artistry. But I really like so far how she's really honing in on the work and, and the craft that went into her poetry. Um, and it's also been really fascinating to learn more about her family's history, you know, the impacts of the world wars, for example, and their German heritage and the repercussions of some of that as World War II was going on. Um, And then, of course, you know, it's touched on, I'm still pretty early, but it's touched a little bit on her relationship with Ted Hughes. And again, I I know, you know, probably what a lot of people know, but I do think that there's a lot more nuance brought to that relationship so far than I've heard in other discussions. So anyway, that's been great, and I'm really enjoying that one. Um, And then another one, which, based on your machine-like rigor with the NYRB women, (laughs) you know, uh, con- or not contest, but the, the ongoing um, <laughs> event 
Um, I know you're probably right in the middle of this one as well, but The Bridge of Beyond by Simone Schwartz-Bart, translated from the French by Barbara Bray. Um, and so, yeah, man, this one, I'm really, really liking this book so far. It's a fascinating book set on the French Antillean island of Guadalupe, and it follows the life of a woman named Tulumi. And it's just such a fascinating setting, you know, all these wonderful descriptions of the natural world, which I'm always a sucker for. Um, and so I thought I would just quickly read, you know, a little bit from that just to give people, I imagine quite a few of our readers are maybe reading along with us, but for anybody who isn't, um, this might give you a little taste. Um, this is following Tulumi as she is walking over to her um, husband's job site. And it just does a nice job, I think, of, of highlighting the life on the island and, and some of her thoughts. It says, when I got to the bridge of beyond, the sinking clouds had been swallowed up and the sun was darting blinding red flames into a completely green sky. On one side was the road leading to Fonzombi, cracked clay full of stumps and stones. On the other was a path running directly into the forest. Hesitation gripped me. I felt more nebulous than the foam on a mountain stream. And then I told myself that however much the river may sing and meander, in the end, it has to go down to the sea and be drowned. And so, turning aside from the road to Fonzombi, I followed the path leading to Bois Riant, as if drawn irresistibly by the presence of my sweating Negro on those scaffoldings built by little men with ten fingers and two eyes. Even in the midst of my heart's confusion, I had a vague feeling that the clearing I was headed for was mined, but it dazzled me and drew me toward it willy-nilly. And as I hurried along, running over hillocks and through muddy hollows, everything grew dazzling, apparelled in the light descending from Bois Riant. I went, as in a dream, amid the smell of rotting vegetation. There was a river at the foot of the slope where Ellie and his friend Ambois had their scaffolding. I climbed down the slippery slope, parted some branches, and bathed my eyes one last time. A few moments ago, they'd started to weep again. I didn't know why. Here and there, around green rocks, the water was almost stagnant. Then it flowed clear and transparent again further on. Looking at my reflection, I thought how God had put me on earth without asking me if I wanted to be a woman or what color I'd like to be. It wasn't my fault he'd given me a blue-black skin and a face not overflowing with beauty. And yet I was quite content. And perhaps if I was given the choice now at this moment, I'd choose the same bluish skin, the same face not overflowing with beauty. So that was just one area, area when I was reading I, I highlighted because I thought it was just such a good encapsulation of kind of much of the spirit of the book so far. I think we're about halfway through as of today. Um, so anyway, just absolutely loving that book so far. What are you making of that one? Yeah, I, I think it's excellent as well. I'm really enjoying just the the setting, the way that she's talking about how the setting is almost part of their lives and all of that. I just, uh, it's it's been a lot of, a lot of uh, poetic introductions to these chapters. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring it into the office with me uh, right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It might, yeah. might be one of my favorites we've read in the last uh, few months. Yeah, honestly. I was going to say the same thing. Um, and I haven't been nearly as religious about this due to various circumstances as you have, so I haven't read every single one. But honestly, I would rank this one so far, I would say, maybe even among the highest that I've read all year in this in the NYRB Women. So really enjoying it. And like you said, the setting, it's we talk a lot about world literature. Um, and this one, I guess you would probably define as like a Caribbean novel and that's yeah. not an area you know i have read books set in the, in and around that area of the world before but not very often and so like you said there's something very fascinating and unique about this reading experience too that i'm really enjoying 
Yeah, and I'm glad you're reading uh, Red Comet as well. I am almost mm-hmm. done with it. I'm on chapter 32. Okay. And there are 35 chapters plus a really lengthy epilogue. <laughs> yeah, everything about it is lengthy. It's so, so yeah, well-researched. Uh-huh. Yeah, I really loved the lengthy prologue, so uh, <laughs> I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to the lengthy epilogue. I'll probably finish that over the weekend. It's just a few more chapters. And uh, yes, the, the Bridge of Beyond. And then another one that I started last night that I just read the prologue, which is pretty short, but it <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun so far. It is called Shady Hollow. By Juno Black, uh, which is actually two um, two women uh, who wrote it together. Uh, apparently, they were uh, employees at a bookstore, and I don't know if it was their boss or someone came in and gave them like woodland creature finger puppets, and so they started telling stories with them about this place called Shady Hollow, and you know, little by little, it, it led to murder and mystery oh my so this is a woodland creature murder mystery series <laughs> wow and this is book one uh my wife showed it to me yesterday we were at uh, the local bookstore and uh i was like that just sounds fun and on the cover um whoever blurbed it said the coziest of cozy mysteries <laughs> of oh, cozy crime and here's how here's how the little prologue is it says Up in the far north, away from everything you know and dream about, lies a small village called Shady Hollow. There are many settlements in the woods, far from the cities and the bustling world. Shady Hollow is only one such community, where woodland creatures of all types and temperaments, from the tiny mouse to the mighty moose, live together in a successful and mostly peaceful society. What does such a place look like, you wonder? First of all, a beautiful river winds through the town. Burbling cheerfully in the summer months, the river slows to a statelier pace in autumn. It freezes over in winter, and the residents of Shady Hollow host skating parties and build snow critters along the banks. Even the creatures prone to hibernation cannot resist the lure of such icy enchantments in this place. And in spring, the river rushes back to life, nearly overflowing its banks after swelling with snowmelt and seasonal rains. And then it starts to describe the town itself, you know, the the sawmill. And it, it just, I don't know. I love woodland creatures, like the yeah. where, where they have them, the drawings that have them all in their nice winter coats and, you know, wandering around talking to each other while they're delivering acorns and you know, having their tea. So absolutely, <laughs> I'm pretty excited to see how these go. Cause it, I don't even, I mean, I have no idea how the mystery is going to be, or if it's going to be well done, but I'm like, I, I, I can go to a place called Shady Hollow just, just for the, the icy river ice skating party. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, so. Especially this time of year. That sounds like a nice little cozy read. Is it a, a short book or a, you know, it's like... pretty short. Like mm-hmm. I didn't look to see exactly, but just one of those, kind of looks like maybe it'll be a couple hundred pages if I'm kind of picturing it right in my head right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 I, once again, I just left my books in my, in my bedroom and came in to record. So I, I, I forgot them this morning. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> no problem. That sounds awesome. And then um, I will be finishing uh, the, that new Michael R. Kate's translation of the brothers Karamazov um, over the next uh, week or so. I'm on the downward slope. We're all in trial mm-hmm. and everything's, you know, everything's happened, but we're just, uh, 
getting to that point where we're hearing witnesses and I think uh, I think first thing this morning uh, Ivan is going to testify so <laughs> yeah, so yeah it's all coming to a head yeah I'm, I've been enjoying that it's been you know I started it on September 1st so oh, two and a half months of of daily reading on the brothers Karamazov and it's been a good way of doing it so yeah that's really cool are you gonna be relieved at all or mostly just sad that it's over or I think a little bit relieved I'm still all I mean I started on the same day war and peace mm-hmm. and I know the story of the brothers Karamazov I've been really enjoying this this last part in particular you know with uh, Ivan's visit with the devil and things like that that I remembered but had forgotten any substance to mm-hmm. and I remember the trial pretty well and it, while it's been really really good i i do find sometimes where i'm like okay i'm ready to get this one done so that i can focus on war and peace and other things because the brothers karamazov has been my biggest reading every day you know it's Mm. the chapters are longer um i wanted to get it finished by thanksgiving so it's actually been um you know i've been reading a couple of chapters a day and they're pretty big pages, you know, so it, it takes me a while. And so I think yeah. because of that, there will be some relief. Um, but it has been a worthwhile experience. It's not something that I regret, and I'm, I'm glad I did it. I would do it again. Yeah. So. Well, good. Yeah, but, that was a very ambitious plan that you came <laughs> up with, but I'm, I really admire it. I think it's cool. Um, I wonder if you'll need to take a, uh, a palate cleanser for a while from Russian literature or if you're just going to, like, carry on. I don't know. I mean, I've got Shady Hollow um, yeah, that's know, true. going there's on your, as well. <laughs> I guess what I mean is, will you take a break in the, like, once you finish these two, will you be inspired to kind of, you know, dabble in some more Russian literature heading into next year or anything like that? Or is it too early to say? Well, War and Peace will go into next year. I'm mm. only like 350 to 400 pages into it. And it's, you know, 1500 pages. So that's true. That one's plenty. going to be be still on the plate. So the question is, will I decide to do another, <laughs> another read along next to it or not? And I don't know the answer to that yet. I, yeah. I'm going to, going to, going to see, but nice. anyway, um, be, before I do have a couple of, uh, other questions for you. Okay. Um, but before we get to that, I did want to take a moment to thank a couple of new, um, supporters, uh, one on Patreon is Peter Gardner. Uh, Peter, thanks so much and welcome aboard. We're excited to to have you. And um, we do have a bonus episode going up here in a couple of weeks on Thanksgiving, uh, less mm-hmm. than a week um, or less than a couple of weeks, actually, for Thanksgiving. So not only do you have access to all the past bonus episodes, but also to this upcoming one for the holiday special. And also... Uh, uh, one of our good old friends, Peg Starr, has uh, signed up on Substack. Uh, Peg, it's so nice to always see you on on YouTube. I love your channel. I love your book prize addictions, and uh, and and of course the blankets that you you make as you're, you're talking about everything. You're an epitome of warmth and um, friendliness, and uh, you know many of the probably some of the inspiration for the way we approach this podcast is the way that you have um, exemplified just having an, a warm and open heart to all of the bookish friends that we have. So it's so nice to to be on there with you, Peg, and I hope you enjoy the bonus episodes as well. 
and uh, look forward to many more as we're we're getting into you know the holiday season and over into next year 2024 so (laughs) thank you you. yeah thank you both very much and then I, I guess I said I had a couple of questions. I really only have one, Paul. Okay. Um, right now, as we're sitting here, there is a sell going on at NYRB Classics. <laughs> yes, there is. Danger, danger. <laughs> and it might be over by the time this episode goes up. But uh, I made an order because next year, Kim McNeil is doing uh, NYRB Women 2024. Mm-hmm. And I actually, she's doing 23 books next year because one of the books is long enough. It's going to take a whole month rather than two per month every month. But mm. um, I had 21 of the 23 books, uh, several of which I had already read. I'll have to kind of see how I'm going to do next year. But yeah. I needed two. And then this is one of their sales where it's, you know, get two, get 20% off everything, three, 30% off, four, 40% off. So Ugh. I had to get yes. four. Had to, and uh, had to, <laughs> and so I'm curious. If, I know you're still in the in the picking uh, zone. You know, you I haven't am. you haven't pushed the confirm order button, but you're Ugh. still adding and subtracting p- potentially. I want to see how you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well. The adding part is the easy part. The subtracting part <laughs> is this part I seem to be having some trouble with. But yeah, I was looking. I made a list, and I think I have roughly half of the books for next year. Um, and so, yeah, that was definitely one of the things that was crossing my mind as I was looking through the sale. Um, as of now, don't quote me, I have, <laughs> I'm not going to keep seven, I'm shooting for four, but I have seven books of the ones that are on her list. I think Divorcing, which was one that you had recommended, is one that's in the running. And then Transit is another mm-hmm. one that I'm considering. Um Lies and Sorcery. I keep hearing so many good things about that one. And you said you've read it or you've just no, read No, I haven't read it. It's one of their newer ones. It's big mm-hmm. and the it's big. cover is beautiful. And it's one of um, Natalia Ginsburg's favorite books, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So you got to do that. I know. That's what I'm thinking. But, <laughs> but as happens, um, The Expendable Man is one that mm. I have had. I've almost picked it up about a million times. And it is one that's on the list for next year. So that one is in the running. Thus Were Their Faces is another one that I've had on my wish list for years. have never picked up. And then you and I were talking about Motley Stones and mm-hmm. how there's kind of this weird thing going where it's like a, a new... You explained it to me. There's a new translation. This is a newer translation of one of the stories that was a standalone. Yeah. Rock, put out. Rock Crystal was put mm-hmm. out as a standalone. Um, boy, I don't know. 15, 20 years yeah, ago, maybe early. even. Mm-hmm. And then they did this uh, collection of Motley Stones that not only has a new translation of Rock Crystal, but several other uh, stories within it. Yeah. So even though I haven't read the other one, you know, it only makes sense that I would want to get the full version. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know, I mean, that, that's logical, right? Do you and have then, the other one? I do. And that's oh, where okay. I'm debating. It's like, Maybe I should read it first and make sure I actually like it before I buy the other one. But then part of me is like, well, you know, maybe I need to just find a good home for that one and and get the more complete version. So that one's in the running. And then the last one that I keep hearing described is Dickensian is Temptation. Um, I was going to look. I don't have the author right in front of me. I don't know if you know it. Not off the top of my head. head. I, Um, I know the book you're talking about, but it's not one that I have read. Yeah, it's another big one. It is by Janos... Zekeli, translated from the Hungarian by Mark Maxoni. 
Um, and that one, I saw somebody, I don't know if you saw where our friends on Buried Books on their um, Twitter channel hit, basically asked people, what are the NYRB classics that you feel like not enough people have heard about? And so there was a wonderful thread going where people were recommending kind of the hidden gems that they mm-hmm. have um, found within the NYRB catalog. So for one thing, anybody who hasn't seen that thread, I would highly recommend even if the sale is over, go through there and add some of those to your list. But anyway, I came across this temptation there and started reading about it. It says it's a rediscovered masterwork of 20th century fiction, a Dickensian tale of a young man coming of age in Budapest between the wars. So, you know, that ticks a lot of boxes for me, Mm -hmm. including Dickensian. Um, So that one is also in the running. So, you know, we all deal with these these difficult (laughs) struggles in life and my current burden is to try to whittle these down and not add any more. But you I ended mean, up with four yourself, right? I mean, do you want to? Yeah. Do you yeah. have it in front of you? Uh, yeah, I do. So the the two that I ordered for next year's NYRB Women reading is uh, Mary Olivier, A Life by Mason Clare, and then um, is it Jessica or, or or Nancy? I think it's Jessica Mitford's Huns and Rebels. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, you know I've, is another one of those I've had on the list for a long time, so I was very excited to get that. And then um, Turgenev's Virgin Soil, mm. uh, once again one of those that I've kind of thought out. Oh, I would like to get more Turgenev, and that's always on the on the list and gets gets cut at the end. Right, uh, not this time, not this okay. time. Good. And then the last one, the selected works of is it Shizari Pavese? Mm-hmm. And again, an author, and they have a few other, or at least one other book uh, by him that I would like to read, but I haven't read anything by uh, Pavese. And people keep showing really good pictures of like his books in the UK and the way that they're described just sound so, so intriguing to me and so i thought well let's start with his stories but yeah the other one that they publish is the moon and the bonfires oh that's right so i knew his name was familiar and that's that's why because that's one that's been on their catalog for years and years if mm-hmm. i'm not mistaken and i remember it's another one of those that i keep almost there's so many good <laughs> books out there man. Um, yeah on the other way i'm going to maybe cheat with some of these that i end up cutting is you know the holidays are coming up And so it makes sense that I would share some of these with my wife and just mention that there's a sale going on. So I might be able to end up, you know, sneaking a few more in, in the next couple of months. Well, there you go. There you go. And so I got to know, like right now, Mm -hmm. where does it stand? Four books. I I couldn't tell you which ones to cut. I know. But I think... My current thinking is I'm going to probably go with Temptation. I'm definitely going to go with The Expendable Man. Um, Thus Were Their Faces, I think, is probably in the running. And then the three that you suggested or or mentioned to me, Lies and Sorcery, Transit, and Divorcing, I'm really struggling with. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Between Transit and Divorcing, if you were going to pick one, I'm going to throw it back to you. Since you've read both, right? 
I have not. Oh, I, you have I have oh, read okay. Transit. I have not read Divorcing. Okay. Uh, but I have heard such good things. And I, I don't, I mean, Paul, do you really want to ask your wife to get you a book called Divorcing? I know. No. You, you, you should get that one. That's a very good Let point. her get you Lies and Sorcery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much lighter. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. So maybe that'll be the way it'll go. Anybody who follows me on social media, as many people are doing, I'll, I'll probably share my final. So I would say that that's, you know, 80% likely that that'll be the final. <laughs> and then everybody will look and be like, he didn't get any of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, there's some of the books that weren't even in the seven he mentioned that are on there. No, yeah. I don't know. It's so much fun. All these, I mean, th- this is only the beginning because I think there's multiple presses that are doing yeah. similar sales right now. If I'm not mistaken, I think two lines has one going right now. We all know that archipelago has some great ones that come out. I mean, this is tis the season for temptation right before, you know, in theory, yeah. a lot of us will probably be getting books for gifts anyway. So, yep, yep, it's fun stuff. It fun is. Stuff. Oh, all right. Well, let's let's settle back again and, and uh, you know move on to our main topic. Uh, I feel like we should have some of uh, Jacques Tati music playing in the background <laughs> right now. Maybe I'll try and find some. Um, but when I go on vacations. And it's, it's a little bit harder here in the Western United States, but it's not impossible. I, I really do like looking for uh, bookish uh, places to visit. Uh, when my wife and I lived back east in New Jersey, uh, we took a trip up to the Berkshires. And so it, part, part of our trip up there, beyond just enjoying the, the setting, was also to visit Edith Wharton's home, The Mount, which was beautiful. And um, another place that we went to was Herman Melville's home. And they, I love these kinds of trips. I love seeing their homes. I love going in and having a sense of here's where they, here's where they wrote. And it, it's usually surrounded by little bric-a-brac. You know, here's a picture of a whale on the wall. You know, things like that. I don't know how authentic some of that stuff is. But there's often a little museum or gift shop that you're always like, well, you know, there's that Penguin Classics book that I can get anywhere, but I'm going to get it here at the Mount, you know, or something like that. (laughs) And I don't know if you are um, someone who looks for those kind of things. I know you look for bookstores, uh, but, you know, what's what's your experience with these kinds of things? I I think it'll be kind of fun to talk about various places we have visited or want mm-hmm. to visit today. Yeah. No, like you said, I mean, my initial thought whenever I travel is certainly bookstores. And, and I think in many ways that's its own little vacation, bookish vacation haunt. But it took me a little while when we, you mentioned this topic. At first, I was thinking like, man, I surely I've been to something, but I can't think of anything. And then a few of them started to come to me. So um, like you said, in our part of the country, maybe not as many Although there are a couple that I'll mention a little later that I are ones I would like to go to. But as far as ones I've been to, I mean, New Orleans was the first place that popped to mind for me. I've mentioned, I mean, this is a bookstore, but Faulkner House Books is just a beautiful little space. And it has some some history because it's the home where Faulkner lived. He only lived there for, I think, like six months, but it was where he was working on his first novel. Um, and so it's what you just described. They have all of his books for sale, of course, and you can get them anywhere. But whenever I'm there, I usually will pick up, you know, one or two of his books that I don't have just because it's kind of cool. Like he was he was here kind of a thing. Um, and then also there's, you know, it's such a literary city. 
Hotel Monteleone in uh, New Orleans is a really mm. cool place. My wife and I stayed there one time. And right in the lobby, they have all kinds of cool, it's not a museum per se, but they have some of those windows that are around the outside of the lobby inside, but inside the building, but are lining the outside walls. And um, so there's all kinds of people who have stayed there, authors and Richard Ford, Truman Capote, Ernest Hemingway, Tennessee Williams, William Faulkner have all stayed there at different times. And then they have this really cool place called the Carousel Bar. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's literally, it is a carousel within the, um, you know, within the hotel lobby. And as you're sitting there having a drink, it turns very slowly around and around. So it's a really cool place. And and there's all kinds of history there. I think uh, Truman Capote in particular spent a lot of time at that particular bar. Um, And so anyway, that's a really cool place. You know, the French Quarter in general is so much fun. And and I don't know, have you read uh, Confederacy of Dunces? before yeah i have yeah so as you know that they've got they've got the hot dog carts and stuff (laughs) they do they do they have the lucky hot dog carts and then there is a a uh, statue of ignatius j riley and i didn't know i saw it and got my picture taken with it but i didn't actually realize um that it is based on the book like it's it says he's immortalized as a bronze statue on the 800 block of canal street the former site of dh holmes department store in a reference to the novel's opening scene during which Riley awaits his mother under the store's clock. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a wonderful place. Have you been to new Orleans much? I forget. I've, I've been once when I was really that's little, right. I think I was like eight or nine. So not in any way that I would remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I mean, I remember it vaguely, but, and we certainly didn't have any interests at that time in going to visit these places. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of the great literary cities in the U.S., um, in my opinion. It, it, and it just has that feel. It just feels artsy. You know, there's, of course, so much music there. There's so many galleries and mm-hmm. artworks and, um, you know, antique shops, but so many good bookstores. And then on top of that, just all of these little cool literary plaques in history, kind of mm-hmm. like you find in New York or Boston or somewhere like that. So that was another one that came to mind for me. Um, I have some other ones, but did you have other ones that you've been to? Well, so a little bit of history. When I was in undergraduate school, I did a uh, kind of a month-long trip to England, and mm-hmm. it was called the British Literary Tour, and it was it was a lot of fun. I went with friends, you know. It was a it was a bus group, so thirty students and you know four or five frazzled professors <laughs> right. what have i done with my life oh man <laughs> i thought this would be fun uh, <laughs> i think they i think they liked us you know i don't know <laughs> and sure. we started in london and spent a few days in london doing doing things that were you know i think predominantly literary uh going to you know i think they walked us past the old curiosity shop for mm-hmm. example and uh, some of the old alleyways. And I remember particularly on that visit, going to see some stuff related to Samuel Johnson and uh, his neck of the woods and all of that. I think they showed us a, a first edition of the dictionary and uh, maybe even things he'd written. I, I don't remember that part particularly well, uh, but it was a lot of fun when we, I mean, I love London, but when we left London and spent some time out in 
uh, Chawton, uh, you know, Jane Austen's home. Mm-hmm. And we did go to Stonehenge, you know, but that wasn't that just because while you're there, you kind of you kind of have to, even though there's not so. a whole lot of uh, literary significance to it in the ways that we were thinking of it, you know, with British literary history. Right. Um, we uh, spent time in, at the Bronte's Parsonage and the Moors, you know, walking around out there. Um, the Lake District for a lot of stuff with Wordsworth and poetry. We went to Tintern Abbey where, you know, he wrote Tintern Abbey and read the poem at Tintern Abbey. Oh, cool. Um, we went to, is it Tintagel? The kind of rocky old village that's out, you know, has some connection to myths of, of King Arthur, mm-hmm. uh, Tintagel and the, the, it's a, so, so pretty. And, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it so much that a few years later, when I was going back to do a study abroad, I had my parents go with me um, a few weeks early, and I basically retraced our steps and oh, <laughs> took them amazing. to all these places so they could see them. And then when they left, did it all again, you know, with my with my um, next group, um, which was where I met my wife. And oh, cool. so, you know, a lot of that has uh, meaning to me. And maybe as part of the reason that we, you know, I mean, I think we both have an independent interest in this kind of stuff, but now we've added to that just the sense of this is something that we love to do and uh, part of our our meeting and and seeing all these things. You know, I still remember uh, visiting the Bronte Parsonage with her and and um, going to see plays and um in London and then, you know, in, in Stratford. And I, I love, I love these kinds of trips. I love that, you know, as you're going to these places, you're thinking about the books and I, I realize I, I'm, I'm not, I, I do enjoy museums. I love seeing these things. Um, but I get really excited in museums to go to the bookshop because I want to read about them. Yeah. I want to, uh, that's where I get, a lot of my, my, I don't know, extra power. Like I I think St. Paul's cathedral is so beautiful. I love going there, but part of the reason I love going there is because of John Donne's poetry. Mm. And just, I know it's different now than when he was there, but I love going there and just thinking of someone in this space thinking and having, having these, these thoughts. And, and I don't, feel any kind of like magical, you know, oh, and they're still here. And look, I'm being inspired because I'm standing in the same spot. I don't, I don't feel that way, but I am inspired just because they did it. Yeah. They, they were where they were. Um, one of, one of my favorite places to visit is uh, Bemerton in, in England. It's George Herbert. He is a poet, uh, you know, an English poet. And this is, this was his church. He was a, you know, he, he ran a church. It is tiny. It is so small. I mean, it's just, I can't imagine going there on a cold Sunday in January. It, it just looks so austere. And and when I was there, I just kind of was thinking about his poetry and read a few of them. And it was just kind of fun to think this was where, this was his life. And he's thinking expansively he's connecting still you know across the ages and all that so i i really do like these these um places to visit in in that way i and and i'd like to do a little bit more of that here in the u.s i again here in the 
here in the West, I there are some mm-hmm. that I've been to and uh, have have enjoyed. Uh, I grew up in Idaho, and so I've been to Sun Valley, and there's some uh, stuff with Hemingway there, including his grave, <laughs> and uh, that was an, an interesting thing. I went with a with a group to that one too. I, I've been there a few times, but once I did go with a school group, I think there were maybe five or six of us. And I remember my professor being so excited trying to get into the places that were locked and the rest of us are like, no, we can't, we can't do that. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just seeing if I'm maybe not opening it right. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, no, it's locked. This just is climb over this gate here and see what's over here. It's not quite the same, uh, you know, touristy thing. For all I know, this is his home, but it is now owned by some crotchety old people who really hate Hemingway. You know, it's right. not quite the same kind of thing where in London you can go see uh, 221 Baker Street, and it's built to be you know visited because it's it's actually Sherlock's home. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go in and and have a lot of fun there. In in Idaho, they probably had torn it down a few times. You know, it's not not quite as uh, welcoming and and open. But you know, I did yeah. go to his grave, and and I I don't know. I I like these kinds of things and would like to to learn a little bit more about some that are close by. I have one option for us. Maybe we can even do a, a big mooks and gripes retreat here someday. But like what else do you have first? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking near me, you know, I, at first I was like, ah, I just don't think there's any. And then it's like, well, duh, the Stanley Hotel. <laughs> yep, I thought about that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like an hour up the road from me and it's it's beautiful. It's in Estes Park. So it's, you know, anybody who's read that book, it's the Overlook Hotel in the book. But um and then, of course, in Stanley Kubrick's um, movie, there's it's not actually the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park that that was shot at. I can't remember what that was, wh- which hotel that one is used as the setting. I think it's a maybe a hotel in California. But anyway, the the Stanley Hotel is just this big, you know, beautiful hotel. But of course, the story goes that Stephen King was living in Boulder, and he had written Carrie and Salem's Lot, and so he was pretty well known and but still kind of not obviously anywhere near where he would eventually get to. And his family took a trip to go stay at the Stanley hotel. And, you know, I think we talked about this maybe on one of our episodes, but I guess he was, it was the end of the season, just like at the beginning of that book. And he and his wife were basically the only guests staying in this big, huge hotel. So they stay in room 217 and he starts having this, nightmare about his son getting chased by a fire hose down these big long hotel <laughs> um, hallways and and so anyway that was kind of the inspiration for for things to kick off and yeah if you ever get a chance to go there anybody who's been there it's it's absolutely beautiful the, the grounds and it's just one of those old-fashioned hotels it's um 1909 is when it was built and and there's all kinds of <clears throat> of course ghost and historical tours you can even stay in room 217 which <laughs> From what I understand, around Halloween, it gets booked out well in advance because people want to stay there on Halloween night and all that stuff. So, yeah, that that is one that's right in my backyard that came to mind after a little thinking. But I will say I have not had any great experiences as far as like I've mostly just been in the U.S., Canada and Mexico. I've not really had a chance to make it across the pond or to Europe. So when we start talking about aspirational someday trips, a lot of the ones that you just described would be right there at the top of my list. So I'm very jealous of, of your past on this topic. 
would you stay in room 217 on Halloween? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you? I, 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 yes, because I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think it would just be fun. But potentially no, because sometimes I think when push comes to shove, I might be like, but I'm not going to tempt, you know, (laughs) I don't know everything. So exactly. Yeah. No, I think it would be a lot of fun. And just being up there is is so, so cool. Uh, It's such a beautiful city. You know, the whole Boulder Estes Park area is is beautiful anyway, but I really like the Stephen King connection with all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then up there on the the CU campus, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's the Naropa University, which is kind of um, the Beats had, had created this university where they taught. And so there's a lot of beat poetry history up there in the Boulder area as well, which isn't my favorite topic, but it's it's a cool part of Colorado. And then one thing, my son recently started going up to the University of Northern Colorado, which is in Greeley. It's kind of about an hour and a half northeast of, of Denver. And I knew this, I guess, maybe, but when we were up there dropping him off, we were kind of walking around the campus and I look over and it's like the Michener Library. It's like, that's kind of weird. And then I was like, well, Centennial, you know, is set in Colorado. I wonder. And sure enough, um, James Michener, the library up there is named after him and it has a huge collection of all of his original writings and everything, which when we were there, I tried to get in, but it was closed because it was, you know, the very beginning of the, the, uh, year you know they were it was more of kind of just welcoming everyone to campus and that kind of thing but i would like to go back and just kind of snoop around up there because like i said it's i don't know i was so pleasantly surprised by how much i enjoyed centennial and i thought it was just kind of cool that it's set right there in Greeley, which is otherwise a pretty nondescript little farm town it's you know Uh it's known for (laughs) it's let's just say it has a lot of cattle and other things up there. And, and so college whenever, students. <laughs> and college students. So it's just a, a smelly place, you know. Um, no, it, it's it's just a very nondescript town. Let's let's put it nicely that way. I would not say it's it's the pride and joy of Colorado. But it's kind of cool that they ha- ended up housing this library. And so I think that would be kind of a cool place to go to. It's not on the level of, you know, some of the, it's not London or anything like that. But when it's right in your backyard. It's one of those kind of serendipitous things where it might be fun to just spend a day sometime doing that. So how, what's James Mitchell's connection? I mean, I know Centennial set in, in yeah, Colorado. No, that's a good question. There I don't thing? really know beyond that. Um, that's kind it, of what I was curious about because, <laughs> you know, he's written about so many different places. It's not like Colorado is the only, right. Know, like Centennial's not the only time he's done that. So I do need to do a little research and figure out. I know that sometimes some of these authors will end up donating their works or having, yeah, know, something established in a university that doesn't necessarily have a strong connection to their personal life. And so it might be a case like that, but I'll have to do a little research on that. It's interesting to the, and it totally depends on the, the places, but sometimes you go to these homes and when you get there, you realize so-and-so lived here when they were 13 years old, you know, right. <laughs> for two months while their parents were on holiday, you know, just, yeah. you're like, Oh, this is not, actually that connected is it but you know it, it might bring in some some tourists and so they right. do it i even kind of feel that way a little bit so the 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 other lodge that that where stanley kubrick filmed the shining is the timberline lodge at mount hood in oregon mm-hmm. and i thought well i want to go and see and of course on their gifts and souvenirs page there's you know uh there's jack 
Jack, you know, through the through the doorway, there's just a cut with the hacks, <laughs> and so, and That's it's funny. got shirts for the Overlook Hotel that that has the the Timberline Lodge on the outside, nice. and um, so they're embracing it, you know. Then yeah. it's also interesting, I think, when those things kind of split, like you've got two destinations you can go to mm-hmm. for the same site in a, in a way, the same imaginary site. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of the the inspiration versus kind of. what a lot of us picture because of the fact that it was so well visually represented in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty interesting. Just a quick follow-up. I I was looking in the background about the connection to Michener and it's not tenuous, but it says he attended Colorado state teachers college in Greeley, Colorado in 1970. Hmm. It was renamed to the university of Northern Colorado. So he actually went there where he earned a master of arts degree in education. Then it says after graduation, he taught at the university and at College High School, the University Lab School, for several years, and the library was named after him in October of 1972. So this is not a recent occurrence. Hmm. So yeah, but anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. So very cool. I I do I, I need to look. Maybe maybe we're both a little bit um, you know just have missed out on this, and it's there. But I kind of feel like we don't do as good of a job making places like, especially as like England. You know, know, they do a fantastic job of having these sites and preserved and and uh, well tended. I do feel like New England has a lot of really good places. You know, I went mm-hmm. to, uh, at, like I said, at the Berkshires, uh, we went to Sleepy Hollow and, mm. you know, Terrytown to, to see a lot of that. And of course, you, you we did. We went and looked for <laughs> for the the various authors there. But, you know, Jack London certainly has some stuff going on in like San Francisco and George right. uh, Stein or uh, John Steinbeck. Um, but do we just go to these cities and hope to, you know, be part of it? Like, do you, do you go to Salinas and I, I'm, there must be some uh, Steinbeck museum right. somewhere there, but it's not something I'm <laughs> too aware of. And, and I'm wondering what else there is for us close by because the, the places that I thought of are more like natural places. Like we could go, you and I could meet up at the big rock candy mountain, for example. Yeah. yeah. And I have no idea how connected that location is with the book, um, mm-hmm. the big rock candy mountain. <laughs> right. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you know, we could go there, but another part of it that's interesting is I'm, I actually looked, I thought, Oh, what's, what's to do around the big rock candy mountain, you know, go do all the things we do around here, ATV trails, um, a lot of recreational things, uh, with, uh, uh rivers and rafting mm-hmm. and food and, you know, cause it's that kind of place. Right. And not necessarily one where you can then go see the museum and then go sit down at this place to read peacefully for a little while. And, you know, yeah. no, you're right. I don't think the I, I parts of the United States, like you said, do a, a pretty good job of it. But it definitely doesn't seem to be something that the Western part of um, the country, at least to my knowledge, does as good of a job. I mean, I'll bring up one more that when I was in Washington, D.C. a while back, this is not obviously in our, our neck of the woods, but this at the uh, Library of Congress, they have this Thomas Jefferson Library that they hmm. have gone. And I, I kind of stumbled into it. I didn't know it was there. But man, if you ever get a chance, it's it's amazing. It's 
they're reconstructing his library. He had thousands of books, which at the time was, you know, the equivalent now of probably tens or hundreds of thousands because of just, you know, that wasn't, there wasn't as many books published, obviously. Um, And so the cool thing is they have them all color coded and they're in these big glass cases. So it's like a big, it almost is like kind of a Stonehenge situation where there's all these like clear glass cases and they're, they're slowly reconstructing his library with like original or, or time appropriate copies. But many of the books within there are his actual books that he owned in his library. And so, you know, it's just a cool place if anybody ever gets a chance to, to check it out. I mean, there's stuff that he's written, of course, but there's all kinds of cool, you know, books from the time and, and you know, just makes you realize what polymaths many people were back then because it's in all these various languages that they could he could read and it's a really cool place so it's you know i don't know it's not literary in the sense that he was literary but as far as just a place for book lovers if you're ever in washington dc it's a wonderful place to check out you do bring up an interesting thing though i mean uh, we we do really well i think in enshrining our political history (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know know. Our currency, our our coins, right. and you know, in 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 England and France and the other places where I, the this was before the the euro. I don't know what's going on there in France now, but um, you know, they had to have their artists on their paper currency. For example, I mean, Jane Austen's on the ten pound uh, banknote right now, right. and we've never never done anything quite like that. We yeah. did have we have had a couple of women on our on our dollar coins, um, which I think is is pretty pretty cool. Right. Um, but that's been it, and those aren't really in in you know aren't aren't really things that are in currency. We don't use them. But and my wife just she must be listening. Um, she just texted me. This is what I was going to think of. We do this with our stamps. So if you're a stamp collector, mm-hmm. you know you get a lot more of a sense of maybe some of these artistic ways of, of remembering these, these other people and, right. and their work. Yeah. But not on our money. <laughs> no, not on our money. And, and, you know, just another sign that maybe I live in the wrong, the wrong country. I should have been born in a very, you know, literary country, <laughs> but um, no, but like I said, the Jefferson it, it's, I mean, I'm relatively mildly interested in some of the historical stuff. Like it's not my favorite thing. And uh-huh. I don't, the founding fathers and all that is not really my shtick, but um, just the, the books themselves is pretty cool. I just, it said um, in 1814, the British burned the nation's capital and the library of Congress. And so Jefferson at that point had acquired the largest personal collection of books in the United States. And so he offered to sell his library to Congress as a replacement for the collection that was destroyed. And so Congress purchased his library um, in 1815, but then there was a second fire in 1851 that destroyed nearly two thirds of the 6,500 volumes that Congress mm. had purchased. So, what what you have left in this collection is whatever wasn't destroyed in that fire. And then, like I said, they're slowly trying to like piece it back together using, you know, it's not like they just go on Amazon and buy, you know, a newly printed version. They're trying to find like historical books. So, it's it, it is very cool just as a, as a book lover, you know, not necessarily like I said, based on the Thomas Jefferson connection, but just more of this collection of, of old historical mm-hmm. books. It's pretty cool. So. It is. It is cool. And it's fascinating to see it and to mm-hmm. just realize the, the amount <laughs> it's a little incomprehensible. I know it really is. Yeah. So that's another one that came to mind for me. 
Well, a place you and I could also meet up, it's a little bit more of a drive for you, but not too bad for me, is Cedar City, Utah. I've brought this up before. They do a Shakespeare festival down there. They have a bunch of different theaters, a bunch of different plays going on. You could walk around and people are out playing, you know, Elizabethan music (laughs) at them. And that's really fun. And I do think it would be fun sometime to do a, you know, a meetup there uh, with fun. folks who want to to join. We we can either be involved or not involved in saying, hey, let us know if you want to come. We'll get tickets. We'll have you there. Here's here's the cost. We'll get you hotels. Or we can just say, here's when we're going to be there <laughs> and yeah. see what happens. Um, we might would need the former to be committed. You know, you and I have are going on this date and here's, you know, how we're doing it. Um, but that might be fun to go and see some Shakespeare plays uh, put on professionally. That's not too far away. And I, I, I need to look into it. I, I think I've read the story before. I can't re- like, you know, I don't think Shakespeare spent much time in Cedar city, Utah. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't quite know how it became what it is, but it is a, a, a pretty big Shakespeare deal and, you know, not really a connection to the real place, you know, that we'd have to go over to, to Stratford for, uh, right. which is, which is a, a wonderful um, trip in and of itself, but it is a fun way to imbibe some of his plays over, you know, a few days. Yeah. No, I love that idea. That'd be great. As we're talking, of course, more things are springing to mind. I don't know that there's <laughs> much to actually see here, so this would be one of those with a tenuous connection, but one of your favorite authors and one of my favorite authors, John Williams, mm-hmm. um, spent a fair amount of time at, at DU here in Denver. Yeah, um, He actually I, wrote Augustus yeah. while he was working there. Um, and so I, I don't know, that's something that this is bringing up some, um, some tasks. I need to do a little research on these <laughs> things and figure out. There you go. Know. It's like geocaching. Know. Exactly. <laughs> it may be like some little, you know, plaque that's on the wall of some basement, I, I, you know picturing it like in stoner you'll go and see a, a little plaque with a name yeah and some dates and exactly. that is it <laughs> <laughs> probably so yeah but i you know we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that since he's one of our favorite authors and i i've gone you know I, i've spent time in and around du fairly often because they actually have a wonderful little used bookstore there so next time i'm over there snooping around i should ask and and maybe see if i can Follow in your professor's footstep, you know, open some doors, <laughs> climb some gates, you know, scale yes. some ivy, whatever I need to do. <laughs> scale some ivy in, in DU. I, I mean, for most of the year, aren't you guys under under snow? So yeah. it'd just be the, the ivy ropes, you know, just that's uh, right. That might be easier that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Not as much snow as people think, but yeah, I don't think it would be uh, not like on the some of those parts of the country, like Vanderbilt or somewhere where there's just these big, beautiful walls of vegetation for sure. But I can, if I, if I want to do it badly enough, I'll figure out a way. Right. I think that sounds fun. I'd be curious if there is anything there that, because for much of his, uh, you know, after he died, uh, there wasn't, in fact, for much of his life there, there's not as much about his books or he he wasn't really part of the, the literary landscape in some ways. I mean, he won the Mm -hmm. national book award for Augustus, but yeah, that was back in the seventies. Right. And you know, these books again, aren't about a particular, I mean, I guess stoner is kind of about a place in a way, but 
it's not quite the same as, as the streets of London and this mm-hmm. old shop that you can still visit that's been there for that was there for a hundred years before the author wrote about it and has been there ever since that there's so much built-in history. We, we really are still creating it in in many ways here in the West in particular. Yeah, and absolutely. so I'm, I'm curious how it will continue to develop and if our attention span in the in our culture will allow for things like this to take root and be, become more established because mm. again we we don't do the the best job of of putting up these kinds of uh these kinds of places yeah no i agree so. and it's kind of interesting the way the conversation has gone because you know holiday in theory or at least the way i started thinking uh-huh. about it it was like you would take a couple of weeks and go somewhere and like uh-huh. really enmesh yourself but I kind of like the way that we're talking about it because it's kind of like what we've talked about with with reading where in our ideal world, we're setting aside time for these big books and it's like we have a very specific way of doing it. But the reality of life is sometimes you have to just steal little moments. And I feel like that can be true on, on these types of things as well. Like, yes, someday I hope to make it to, to London and Paris and all these places. But in the meantime, there's all these little things. If it's a little day trip to DU or something like that. I mean, I think there are little fun mini holidays that you can take in between. So, you know, if there's people out there yeah. who haven't had the opportunity to, to go to the, you know, the, the Mount Rushmore type things of literary, you know, society or history, you know, it might be kind of fun to just snoop around and see maybe there's something in your neighborhood that's not as well known, but it would still be fun to spend some time with. And this, that reminds me, there is a YouTube couple. They, they haven't posted in some time. They're travel by the book. Mm-hmm. And they're they're local for me. They live here in Salem, uh, Utah, and or you know they they live right here in town, and they they put up little trips that they've made. So here's literary travel in Buffalo, um, finding F. Scott Fitzgerald in Hollywood. Uh, cool. Uh, let's see, uh, Louis L'Amour stayed in this historic Strader hotel. And so can you, <laughs> you know, mm. um, they went to Cornell where they have kind of the magical Harry Potter library. That's one that reminded me because he, they, it's very quiet and it's mainly for students. But I think on the day that he went there, it was just open and it was like a, on the weekend. So he did slip around. Um, they went to Langer's deli in Los Angeles to get, to uh, Nora, Efron's favorite sandwich, you know, they're, they're looking for these and it's not so much that there's a particular thing. I mean, they do have like Mark Twain, um, some of those things that are a little bit more of a place, but yeah, here's uh, following California's Jack London trail from Oakland to Glen Allen, um, uh, reveling in the macabre at Edward Gorey's house. (laughs) And here's one on the, the Shakespeare festival at Cedar city. So, um, they haven't posted in a while, but I kind of wish they would because these are like little things you do within a bigger trip. It feels yeah. like, you know, um, they're, 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 and they're, they're looking for them and, and paying attention to them. And I think that's what we need to do while recognizing we could, we could spend a whole month doing a tour of like England and, you know, same with uh, new England here in the U S but there's all these little fun things to visit and keep your bookish mind open while you're on trips and, and such. Yeah, absolutely. One place that is down in the South, speaking of Faulkner, that I would like to hit someday is Oxford, Mississippi, Mm -hmm. where, you know, Mississippi um, University is 
University of Mississippi, I guess it is. But um, yeah, a friend of mine, I may have told this story before, but he grew up in Oxford. And that, talk about a literary town. If you ever look at some of the authors that have connections to Oxford, Mississippi, of all places, you would be amazed. Um, but yeah, that's where um, Faulkner grew up and his home is still there. And my friend tells a funny story where he and his buddy, when they were little, like elementary school age, were out playing with matches in the field behind their house and they set the field on fire. And that field just happened to back onto Faulkner's home. And so <laughs> there was like a, a fairly large chance that he could have burned down uh, Faulkner's home. But luckily the fire got there in time. But I always thought that was kind of like, Ooh, that's a brush with greatness that you don't really want to have. Um, so anyway, but yeah, Oxford, Mississippi is another place there in the American South that might be a good place to visit someday. You know, this, that just reminds me, I, I, we, we do a better job with um, film history. You yeah, know, we talk yeah. about the shining and, and all of that. Uh, but there is a lot. And, and part of the, how the West was created was with Hollywood and filming mm-hmm. here in Utah, you know? And so there, we do have places like that. You can go to uh, the, the various places, something was filmed, particularly the Westerns and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe that usurped it a little bit. <laughs> and no, is, I think you're right. It's taken our attention. Well, and then we do also a good job of kind of the, the mythos, again, thinking of Colorado and Utah and places like that, just the, the wild West, you know, there's all these recreations of, of mountain towns and in there, you know, like when you're driving on the highway, you'll see, you know, the gravesite of Buffalo Bill is just around the corner, those kind of things. <laughs> so it is yeah. more of, it's not that there's not storytelling or, um, things like that, but unfortunately it's not always as literary as I would like it to be. But. So uh, if, if there was a, if you had an opportunity right now, go, mm-hmm. go wherever you want to go, mm-hmm. spend a couple weeks, no, no problems. Work will be taken care of. <laughs> I like this so far. Where, where, where are you heading off to? Are you, uh, are you sticking around here? Are you going back east? Are you going to England, to Europe, to we, we? And neither of us have talked about outside of the English speaking realm because I don't know and I have know. not been to a lot of those places. That opens up a whole, you know, well, same world, whole new world. But you know, no, I had that same whole thought. different topic. Yeah, that would be something I would love to hear from from listeners about because I was trying to think of some areas outside of the English speaking world that would be on my list. And sadly, I, I didn't really have any come to mind. So that would be something I would love suggestions from people because that would be wonderful. As far as where I would go, I mean, just because I've never been there, basically what you just described at the beginning of this, hmm. I mean, something like that is just would be wonderful. I've, I would love to take a literary tour of London and go see, you know, the various grave sites and, and, you know, hmm. historical spots. I would love, love, love to, um, see Jane Austen's house, you know, Professor Ray, who we had on for our Jane Austen episode used to speak so highly of her time spent around her home. And she used to be able to stay kind of on the property since she was, as I've said, the president of the North American Jane Austen society. So she got some, some cool little perks, including staying in and around, you know, on the property. So I would love to do that. Of course. Um, Hmm. You know, some other ones, I mean, London and Paris, would obviously be too since i have just never done anything like that why not start there <laughs> so you know those would be 
high on my list. I saw our friend Kim McNeil, not that this is, this is a bookstore, but she was just at Shakespeare and company, you know, so like hitting, hitting Paris and just going to what a lot of people who live there would probably consider the, the tourist traps, but Hey, if you've never been there, you know, the tourist traps are there for a reason. So I would love to get some of the, the literary. Uh... They built it just for you. I mean, exactly. it is. <laughs> no, but I mean, of course, another one, just being a huge James Joyce fan. I don't know that I'd necessarily want to do Bloom's Day itself, but <laughs> to go over there and just see, you know, some of those areas and kind of follow some of the paths that they do and go see mm-hmm. the tower that, you know, plays such a prominent role at the beginning of that. And I know it's been turned into a museum. Yeah, we did that on that first British literary tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, was it pretty cool? Dublin was interesting. I I really did enjoy, it was just a, we'd been spending all this time in England and then here we are Mm -hmm. in Dublin. Um, The thing I remember the most is a a bunch of little kids flipping us off. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't quite as warm and welcoming, uh, but I really did enjoy it. And, um, you know, I was already a James Joyce fan when I went. Mm-hmm. And so we, we spent some time there and there's so many there. It's just, it's a beautiful, um, you know, surrounding countryside and everything. And the, the city has so much history beyond the literary history. I, I really enjoyed that time. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is it would be nice because you're punctuating an already amazing trip with like some of the greatest literary sites. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like talk about having your cake and eating it too. Um, <laughs> obviously another one that I would love to see based on another one of my, you know, keystone books from the last few years and actually of my life would be to go see, you know, the Proust museum, see the bed where mm-hmm. he actually wrote. I mean, that, how amazing would that be to just be in the room where those books were written? I mean, mm-hmm. that would be pretty amazing too. So yeah. Oh, I mean, if I could go over there, that it would be kind of like my <laughs> NYRB shopping cart. Like how do I narrow it down to only a few things <laughs> I need to spend like several years here. So that would be some of my, you know, someday, types of trips. What about you? <laughs> I, I want to go back. I mean, those are, yeah. I, I, in thinking about this, if, if I had a few weeks that I think I would uh, do it, do it again, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I loved it over there and would like to go back. And just so listeners know, I mean, I don't know if this will ever happen, but Paul and I have talked about a, a, a little tour. Uh, we think it would be fun someday mm-hmm. to organize a Mooks and Gripes British literary tour and in you know have people uh sign up tell us if they're interested and then you know we we kind of put together an itinerary and and a little tour package and go and have fun for a few weeks and you know br- bring bring our plus ones you know our wives would come and you know, i think that would be a lot of fun someday and p- part of that tour would have to be like oh let's now stop and see so and so you know some of our friends from from around the you know, Great Britain and, and Ireland. I think it'd be a lot of fun to meet up for, for lunches with uh, several of our friends we've just had for years on here, you know, on online uh, as part of that tour. But, but, you know, kind of focusing, I, we've, we've kind of thought of, you know, we'd start in London and, and spend a few days there and then get in a bus and drive around, you know, become part of that that economy. Yeah, I would love it. I would love, love, love that. So maybe someday we, we I mean, right now, everything has been like, wouldn't that be cool, Paul? <laughs> yeah, it sure would be. <laughs> We've, yeah. We have not gone a step farther than that, nor do we know if this would be in, you know, two years, 10 years, <laughs> you know, when we're both retired, right. it could, it could, 
you know, there, there are no solid plans, but it would be, it would be fun. And so if anyone's interested in that and wants to start stoking the fire a little bit, you know, um, let us know, but, but yeah, that, that, that'll probably be, be a little ways, um, in the future if it ever happens, but it would certainly be fun. And it'd be fun to end that trip in, you know, in Paris, spend a couple of days in Paris, oh, go to yeah. Shakespeare and co oh, and yeah. then fly out there or something like that. But yeah, you just described <laughs> that, that would be a dream. I think, Maybe it, now that you've thrown it out in the universe, that'll be enough to start fueling the fire and getting some conversations going. But like you said, I don't foresee it being anytime soon. But just Spring 2024, like everybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If so, no, we have some work to do. You know, spring is a great time. I, that My first trip over there was in May, um, doing that one tour. It was throughout the month of May. It was mm. beautiful. It's beautiful mm. weather. Got to see all the daffodils when we went up north. Um, I loved it. And then, but you know, when I went over there for the whole semester, it was the fall also just a beautiful time to be out and doing these things. But yeah, a spring, a spring trip, uh, with all the, all of the new budding and, and all that might be, might be an ideal time, an ideal time of, of year, whatever year it is to, to plan on this. Absolutely. Or the fall or the fall or the summer. Probably not going to do it in you know winter. I've been there around Christmas time. It's not things aren't quite as as uh, as pretty as they are at other times of year, and it certainly is a lot colder and drearier. So <laughs> the the question is, if if it was a tour of of us and our listeners and friends, how many extra suitcases would be needed for all the bookstore <laughs> trips? Like, would it be two extras per person? Would it would we just be like shipping yeah. pallets of books back to wherever we're from? I think talk about the economy. We would give like <laughs> a dramatic boost. You would see like a spike in the the bookish what, economy. What happened to book sales in the UK? <laughs> <laughs> no man. Yeah, it would be it. It would be fun. Now shipping from there is a lot cheaper than shipping from here. Yeah, um, at least it has been in the past. So that might be your best option for for that. But I did do that. I remember my first trip over there. I I did. I did have a lot of books that came back home with me mm-hmm. because it was fun to buy books. You know, again, they're just your normal editions in many, many cases, some, some cases, maybe not, but you know, I've got the sticker that oh, yeah. I bought um, Wuthering Heights at the Bronte Parsonage Museum. And that's sure. just kind of a fun sticker to have. I, yeah. you know, I, that's where I got a lot of this stuff. I, I bought Middlemarch in Wales, I think. So it had nothing to do with Middlemarch. Yeah, <laughs> just in like, the mood that day. <laughs> for sure. No, I leave some of the stickers on or I'll have a bookmark stuck in there that you got something at the strand or, you know, whatever. It, I like having that kind of stuff. No, yeah. I agree. That would be, that would be amazing. I was oh, laughing because Kim, you know, like just to mention her one more time, she's over, I think she's still over there. She's been in, you know, London and Paris and places like that and sending, all, posting all these mm-hmm. beautiful pictures. And she was saying something similar about like, who's going to come over here and help me lug the, these suitcases full of books that I've picked up along the way. It's like, yep. I will. I that feeling. I know that's what I said. I'll volunteer <laughs> in a second. Yeah, no. for sure. Well, I would love to hear more from listeners on this mm-hmm. one. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we always do want to hear from our listeners and I, and I appreciate the listeners who who responded to our reading habits episode, you know, Dorian, I don't know if he'll talk to us again, after he found out that you and I can put a book down at the end of the day, if we're tired, even if there's just a few pages back. And Dorian, I do want to tell you, um, my wife doesn't listen to these podcasts other than my, as I'm recording them. So she doesn't hear it all, 
but she does she does stalk me on Twitter, and so she saw that tweet, and and she was also horrified that I could put the book down with that. And I'm like, I've been doing it for years with you right next to me. You know, (laughs) I am the same person that you love. I promise. That's right. I haven't changed. I'm not going downhill. And here we thought this was a safe space where I feel targeted. (laughs) Oh yeah. And here's my wife again. That's not stalking. I'm your wife. We're Twitter adjacent. (laughs) (laughs) Twitter adjacent. I like that. Yeah. But Um, anyway, so Dorian, you, you got me in hot water. Um, on, on that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I've tried, you know, last night I was pretty tired and I read the prologue to that, uh, you know, critters, uh, mystery. So mm-hmm. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to think, you know, as, as we get a little further along, you know, um, kids get a little older, there's fewer early morning obligations, things like that, that maybe mm-hmm. will spring back, but only time will tell. Yes, I think we'll have the energy. I do too. I do too. <laughs> but no, we we envy it. But yeah, that was that. So that was a fun little <laughs> little comment. And yeah, you know, I actually don't know if I have heard from Dorian since. Yeah, that's not true. That might have been the end of the relationship. Yeah, I'm not not seeing. I'm going through my Twitter notifications, and mm-hmm. Dorian, there's there's just not. Yeah, the last thing, but 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 stuttering there dorian two pages Uh, yeah so dorian i'd like to i'd like to to work through this yeah with you and uh my apologies for for the scandal yeah someday somebody will be going through all of our you know we don't have like correspondence via letters but this will be like one of those literary feuds that'll make it into your biography someday the new yorker yeah put it it in their pages yes (laughs) yes that no i I aspire to never have anything like that happen. And, and it's pretty easy because it never will. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, worry about that one too much. Uh, but yes, I would really love to hear, like we, we know that there are many places that we have not listed. Paul and I have both been, you know, kind of curious about outside of the English speaking world or, you know, we, we didn't talk about even all of the English speaking world. Mm-hmm. Um, would love to know some of your favorite bookish destinations. Uh, but also, you know, if anyone's interested in, in some of these get-togethers, we, we can start, we probably could start figuring out uh, a trip to like Cedar City or or Denver or something like that, you know, so you don't mm-hmm. have to be the, the one traveling so far. We probably could figure something out like that for the nearer future. You know, yeah, get, get our feet wet in the tour guide industry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I like it. So... Would you be comfortable hosting a bunch of us at your home in Denver in uh, <laughs> over 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 Christmas this year, Paul? Is oh, that yeah. okay? <laughs> Why not? I see no problem. I don't think I need to get that cleared with anybody else or anything. <laughs> well, I've threatened it in the past, um, but last year when I threatened it, Paul Paul didn't realize I was serious. I I showed up and I, you know, spent Christmas out in the streets of Denver, uh, right. wa- waiting for Paul to come and find me, and it didn't happen. But. Uh, <laughs> I think he's serious when he says uh, no. I guess I, I took yeah. it as a as a well, funny funny thing, you know. <laughs> that's right. We have one you know spare room that I'm currently recording in that used to be my <laughs> son's uh, bedroom. Now that he's at college, so I'm sure you know if people don't mind bunking, you know, <laughs> ten or fifteen of you in one small room, that should be fine. You'd be okay with that. Just yeah. don't bother you when it's reading time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, alrighty. All right. Well, we, we, we went a little bit overboard off, off the map on this one, but, uh, you know, 
happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we will we will become disciplined again someday, mm-hmm. and um, get back to a little bit more bookish book book specific talk. Um, in fact, I think on our next episode, we're still trying to figure out the Dalkey Archive thing, um, but. Uh, we are coming close to the end of the year episodes with our favorite books of the year. And I think it would be fun to do another episode on winter reading, you know, winter reading plans. That was a success for me last year. And I'd kind of like to, to take an opportunity to stop and sit down and think about it and, and talk about it and hear from others. So if you listeners have any winter reading plans this year, let us know. I'd love to share some of those as we're talking about it and not just after the fact. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's something that we have done intermittently, and we would like to make sure that we're including lots of good feedback from from listeners on various topics. And so I will just also say, we're not going to be able to add everyone's, but when we're giving our end of the year, you know, top books of the year, mm-hmm. we might um, reach out to some of you, but we would also welcome it, you know, you just to send one or two of your favorite books and, and some short blurbs on why you enjoyed it. And we would like to include as many of those as we can, mm-hmm. or if nothing else, we can share them maybe on a bonus episode or, or, you know, we're still working out the details, but start percolating and thinking about that too. Cause we would love to hear from all of you about yeah. you know, some of the top reads that you've had for 2023. Yeah. Um, and you and I talked about this a little bit, but I've got a list of 20 books <sighs> and I have no idea how to, how to whittle it down. Just, just so you know, I know. Um, but I am going to do it. I'm going to do the hard work and I'm still reading is the other problem. That so the other <laughs> I know. And I'm still working on my NYRB shopping cart. So I haven't even had time <laughs> to think about this. Yet. <laughs> oh, so that, that'll be fun. Those are coming up, but yes, we'd love to hear it. And you can send those either as, you know, something over text, you know, where you, you um, just send it to us in email or on Twitter or something like that. But also, if you want to record a mm. short thing like we like we played last year from several of our friends, if you want to just record a little, hey, you know, here's my favorite books, uh, we'd ask you just to, you know, say your name. You don't have to say your full name. And for all I care, you can use a, a pseudonym. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about where you're calling from and, and uh, let us know your favorite book of 2023. That can be a favorite book that's new to 2023 or a favorite book that was new to you in 2023, or I don't care one of your perennial favorite books that you read again in 2023, you know, whatever works for you. uh, We'd love to hear about it. So that's a great idea. I love any, anytime we hear from anyone, but I really enjoyed hearing the audio clips from different people and just hearing their voices. So yeah, any, anything that you want to send, but I'm glad you mentioned that because that was a lot of fun last year and we will include as many as we possibly can because it's, it's a blast to hear from everyone. All right, Paul. Well, thanks so much for joining. And let me know if you end up going to, you know, while you're visiting your son, the the Michener, yeah, uh, library, or if you find anything with uh, John Williams at at Denver University. I expect a full report. Yeah, absolutely. soon I will report back. <laughs> I'll get on that. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mooks and the Gripes podcast. You can follow the Mooks and the Gripes and get show notes and book and film reviews at mooksandgripes.com. On Twitter, you can find Trevor at Mooks and Paul at BiblioPaul. You can also get information about future shows on our Patreon. If you'd like to donate to the show, anything and everything, even a dollar a month, helps and is deeply appreciated.
you can become a patron at patreon.com slash mooks. Until next time.